0: it but i want you to i want you to go and look at the words on this one isn't this one of the ones we talked about what's that have we said i don't think we sang it have we no. the first verse I just want you to hear it because this one we're going to start singing Uh, it's a good song there's several Miss Don and I found we want to start sticking in here so by the gentle waters you will safely lead me in green pastures feed me knowing what is best. Though I often stray, wander far away, I can hear you say, come to me and rest. Good, good song. If you haven't heard it, I know there's a few people that sing it. Uh, that may make it on the radio, I don't know. but So, get ready, that one's coming to a service near you. <sighs> Amen. <clears throat> Alright, so we're still on church doctrine. Just keep your Bible handy, we're going to be running through quite a few passages. Thank you, Ms. Donna, I appreciate that. <clears throat> and we are on the... Uh, mm, we're on the last section, so I think we're going to be two Wednesday nights on this, and then the Wednesday night after that will be the final. Y'all know what a final is if you've been in college. Some of you, are, some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay, <clears throat> amen. Now, I'm I'm being funny, but hopefully you've been paying attention. There's a lot of we've been doing a lot of really good practical um, practical learning through this series. So. Uh, just really, really good stuff. So, But now we're in the purpose. The purpose of a church. <clears throat> Our author uh, of the curriculum that we're using mentions that the Bible has, or God has established, three institutions. I would dare say there's room, there's room to make an argument for three that he has instituted and others that he recognizes uh, when it comes to authority. But there are three institutions that it seems... God has started. And the first one being the very first one he started, which would be the home. Okay, we're not going to spend time on that, but there's the home. In Genesis, early in Genesis, we begin to understand God in implementing civil government, and God does, God has established government. And then, of course, the third institution would be the church. Okay? So the home, government, and church. And uh, I like the way he puts it, in basic terms, the purpose of the home is to provide, the purpose of the government is to protect, and the well actually it's to protect and praise, but we don't have to get too detailed on that. And then the purpose of the church is to perfect, and not meaning, not to make perfect, but to help grow, to help mature. Um, and this part, this last part is what we're going to be talking about, is the God's purpose For his churches. There are purposes. God has given stated purposes in Scripture about what the church is to be doing. Okay? Now, one of the things I want to talk about to begin with is uh, what the church is not told by God to do, but it seems a lot of people think that's what churches are supposed to do. Okay? And there's a lot of those. And this first one might catch you off guard. Okay? Um, We are not. We are not, the purpose of the church is not to save the whole world. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to be a witness to the whole world, but not to. As a matter of fact, the moment we begin begin to say that the purpose of a church, or purpose of churches, or the kingdom, is to make sure that everyone in the whole world becomes a part of our dominion, we get into some scary doctrine. OK, We get into crusades type, do, type doctrine, like, "You will convert or die." Okay. and we just we don't believe in that, and there's, there's, some, uh, there's some modern versions of that, and old, and older, uh, which actually many of you would understand the term, post-millennialism. Okay. Most people don't really buy into post-millennialism anymore, uh, because if you look at history, it's a joke, OK. For thousands of years, people have been trying to say, postmillennialism. what that means is that the world's just going to get better and better and better and better, and when it gets really great, Jesus is going to show up and just take over this great kingdom that the church has built up. Has, can anybody prove that from any portion of history anywhere? No. We know that is false. Now, there are some different ideas. There are some different ideas that this still kind of falls under, maybe altered a little bit. Reconstructionism, okay? You may have heard it, may not, that's fine. Kingdom theology, which we are dealing with today. And or dominion theology, which you're probably not going to hear that quite so much, but more of the kingdom theology is what we'd be hearing of today. And essentially it's it's the idea that the gospel is just going to permeate and purify the world and usher in a utopia, okay? Um, yeah, no, that's... That's not happening. The, the, how many times has the gospel reached around the world, you think, since the, since the apostles? I'd say more than once. More than once. That doesn't mean that our job is any less important or that there's, there's always new people being born. There's always new, new families, new, new countries, essentially, even in many ways, new, new areas of people, new cultures that need to be reached. So our job is not done. But the whole idea, a matter of fact, the Bible kind of teaches the contrary, uh, to this, to this idea that that the the church is gonna the church is just gonna turn the whole world into a turn the world upside down. Yeah, but that doesn't mean perfect. You know, if you turn a car upside down, it doesn't come out the other end looking so good. You know, things have been changed. <laughs> okay, uh, now the world needs to be turned upside down, and I'm just telling you, don't give up. Please don't give up. I, and I and I'm gonna probably take too much time here. But it's amazing to me, again, how often, even amongst Christians, because of what's happening in the United States, mostly, now I understand there's other things going on that are even better, but they look at the United States and go, oh man, look how bad it's getting. The Lord has to be coming back soon. If we're only using the United States as our guide for that, then the fall of the Roman Empire, we would, they would have thought the same thing. Uh, I mean, in, before World War I, after, during World War I, they would have thought it. Before and during World War II, they would have thought it. Things have been this bad and worse worldwide. Now, there are some interesting things. And again, I don't believe anything has to happen for the Lord to come back. The Lord can come back now. But it is interesting that in the last two years, the Euphrates River has just about dried up. And I don't know if you know that or not, but that's kind of interesting, because now it is now don't, again don 't be deceived. this is not the first time we 've been here either, but we do know that the Euphrates River drying up that 's one of those end time things. So again, this is what I believe these things to be is again, if you throw a rock in the middle of the pond, the event is out there with a rock hit, but we can see the ripples here at the shore. and I think what we 're seeing is ripples. It just seems like those ripples are getting a little bit more frequent, and, and that would be normal. That would be normal the closer we are. But anyways, so the world's not getting better. There's just a few verses. I don't want to spend too much time here, but uh, go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We could go to quite a few. There's a passage in Luke. There's a passage in Timothy. There's a passage in Peter. But Matthew chapter 24. Um, Now, I don't believe this is, I don't believe Matthew 24 and 25 has anything to do with us. I'll just tell you, we're gone by the time this stuff happens. But let's look at verse, uh, go to verse 5. Okay? For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. That's a that's a tribulation term. Okay? Beginning of sorrows is a tribulation term. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my all nations for my name's sake. That, that doesn't sound like we're on our way to utopia. And this is something that's happening at the very end of time, okay? Uh, so this is the disciples have asked, what, what will the end of the world be? And this was his answer. Uh, so yeah, this, the, the false function, we're, we're not here to force, force our religion upon the world, to, serve, to save the world. Okay? The world is going to be getting worse and worse. Now number two, another thing that the church is not called to do, the purpose of the New Testament church is not to serve the world. To serve the world. Now what do you mean by that? The church's primary function are not social social good. Okay, Uh, Feeding the hungry, fighting pollution, lobbying for civil rights, uh, that is not the church's purpose. I'll state that again. That is not the church's purpose. Um, The poor you have with you always. Now, we are to exercise charity. Absolutely, we're supposed to exercise charity. So turn to, turn to Galatians, in chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So ch- churches are not to be uncharitable. We're supposed to be involved in doing good to those around us. Um, certainly a church should be looking for opportunities to do good um, to those around them, but that is not our purpose. Okay? The church's purpose is not social goals. We're not social reformers. We're not social justice warriors. That is not the church's purpose. Although, again, I, I would dare say, I'm telling you right now, you want to be a light for Christ to the lost world this is the best time of year to do it. Because while we enjoy this, and many other people do enjoy Christmas, there's a lot of people who can't stand it. It is nothing but sorrow and, and pain for them, horrible memories. They want nothing to do with it. They have just another time to go out and party and get drunk and maybe have time with friends, and that's it. Um, this is a time for us to be charitable in a way that brings glory to God, not brings glory to me. Okay? So, we're not to, our purpose is not to save the world, our purpose is not to serve the world, and this is kind of a build up on the first one, uh, but this is, our, our purpose is not to subjugate the world, to subjugate. Uh, if you want to start talking about religion and the use of power, the last 2,000 years is a pretty good example of why that doesn't work. I mean, uh, if we can look at uh, the, the Catholics and the Crusades, the uh, the... Not the, Hitler, Hitler loved using Christianity as his little uh, extra support for doing what he was doing. He was not a Christian by any stretch. Uh, he was used whatever purpose he could to get done what he wanted. And there's been much more of that, much, much more of that. And I'm just telling you, even us as Christians can get involved in some of that stuff politically when we want our government to pass laws that benefit us that truthfully the government shouldn't have its fingers in to begin with. And then we, we kind of promote the other side, fighting against it doing what they want. Uh, there, there are some things the government just needs to get its business out of, and sometimes we don't help when we fuss and fuss and whine because there's sinners out there. It shouldn't surprise us i 'm just telling you it should not surprise us that our country looks like what it looks like because. The Bible has spoken of every one of the sins that we have in the United States, clearly. This is not new. This is not new. And those people didn't live under a system of government where they could actually push to pass laws against it. They just had to put up with whatever the government was there if they got to vote at all. So we're not here to subjugate. Um, the last thing I want... So the separation of church, church and state... It's there. That is a two-way street. Okay, so it's in Mark chapter twelve. Is just we'll use that verse right now as our uh, basic one. We're, I, I'm not going to do a full exposé on the separation of church and church and state. Okay, Mark chapter twelve, verse seventeen is just the simplest simplest verse to put under this heading. And Jesus answering said unto them, verse 17, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Okay, There is a distinction between the two. Um, The Lord's churches are not to control nor attempt to control the affairs of society through governmental power. Okay? Did you hear that? We are not to control nor to attempt to control the affairs of society through governmental power. You cannot legislate Christ. And that's not our job. Okay? Now also, the other way around, and I'm not going to get into that, separate church and state also means that we do have the freedom of religion. The government can't tell us what religion we should pertain we should attain or um, my brain just went out, but we should Hold on to, okay we have the right to worship how we want. so uh, certainly we can influence and we should influence government to choose good make good decisions. We should obviously call sin sin. We should uh, pray for our, pray for our governmental leaders. Uh, I, I've been finding out there's a time when the, the Idaho pastors go and visit. Our, our congressmen and senators and re- representatives, and I want to be a part of that, I want to go and in, have an influence there, but there's, there, there's no authority. I should not seek to control government for Christ's benefit. Okay? That, that's, that's just not in there. The government has its own... Now, listen, that doesn't mean as a citizen, American citizen, you need to vote. You need to vote. As an individual, as a citizen of the United States, you need to vote. Okay? But this church should not be exercising church power you hear what I'm saying? To try to control the affairs of men through the government. That's, that's wicked. Who, there's only one entity in all of time that has ever changed man. And it's not church. It's Christ. So what do we need to be involved with? Preaching Christ. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean I'm, I may not preach some things from the pulpit. Like, you know, abortion is murder. But it's a sin like any other. It can be forgiven. But abortion is murder. We shouldn't head down that road, but all those things. Alright, so, not to save the world, we're not to serve the world, we're not to subjugate the world, and we're not to simulate the world. Okay? John 15, so turn to John 15. John 15, look at verses 18 through 20. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours I'm sorry, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Okay? So you get the idea is that we're, while we are in the world, we are not to be of the world. This, is, this should be pretty straightforward. We don't, use, we don't use worldly ideologies and philosophies and entertainments to try to attract the world to Christ. We're to be, we're to be distinct from the world. Well, we know we have to have friends and we don't have to fit in. Okay, We don't have to seek to be weird. The people think that peculiar part is weird. That's not. It just means that you, you do stand out. It doesn't mean that you have to try to be weird. If you're following Christ, it will be vastly different from everyone. You give money to a church? You know, huh? You, you really believe there's going to be an a, you know, end of the world and you're really going to follow Jesus Christ and you really won't drink with us? You know, what I'm saying that to, to the world, that's an unusual thing. Okay, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Now, there's a there's an old question. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I've not heard it before, uh, but evidently it's it's a phrase that has been used before. Is the church worldly or the world churchy? Have you ever noticed how the you talk to people who you know are lost as a goose, and something happens that is obviously, you know pretty serious, and suddenly they start talking religion. They start talking like maybe God exists and maybe God had control of this. And, you know, it's an impact point for them where they have to go, oh, well, maybe this is, you know, and then it disappears where they tell the dirty joke like 30 seconds later. Do you, you hear what I'm talking about? Listen, we are, to, we are not to be of the world. We're not to use those tactics to win the world. We are we're to be Christ followers in the world But now that doesn't mean we are, this is the last one, we're not to separate from the world either. What I mean is, uh, the whole idea of monasticism is not biblical. Okay, monasticism meaning, and I'm just telling you, if you haven't been there, there are times my wife and I have looked at each other, watching our kids go through some of the issues they go through, I just want to pack the family up, move to somewhere, middle of nowhere, Alaska, and just say, see y'all, I'll see you in heaven, I'm done. You know, I don't, I'll, I'll chop my own firewood and kill my own meat and we'll do fine. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? And, and somehow this, this has been I lifted up to the, to the world, or to Christians as a, as a really great thing that we will slowly back away from and have no contact with anything that is all of the world and live in a, maybe we don't go to the monastery, but we live as a hermit even inside our own culture. And that is also not Biblical. How in the world do you preach the gospel to people if you don't understand how they're hearing it and what they need to hear? How how does how does this culture, how is this culture reached by the gospel? How, how, do, I, how do I show this culture that what they're believing is is anti Christ and bring them to Christ through through their culture? I mean, how else do you do that? There are some things you have to you have to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay? Churches are not to become communes or islands of isolation. And I'm telling you, there's way too many even Baptist churches that get there. Like it's us four no more, a visitor walks in, everybody goes, you know, <laughs> no offense to our visitor who came tonight, I appreciate you coming. But you know, i mean telling you, it can get very interesting. So, all right, so what are some things that the Bible does call it? What are some purposes that God has called us to? Well, I I don't like the order he's put them in, so I'm going to put my own order in. I think it's pretty clear um, Ephesians really kind of tells us one of the dominant things. that is repeated, okay, is repeated much in Scripture to individual believers. Uh, but Ephesians is the book uh, that is directly uh, to the church in many ways. Okay, Ephesians in chapter 3, look at verse uh, 21. Unto him, who is that? That would be him that worketh in us from verse 20. It's love of Christ, verse 19. So we're talking about Christ. Verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, that's as clear as a bell. What is the purpose of the church? To give God glory, to give Christ glory. I mean, th- this is as old as almost every um, catechism that there is. You know, what's the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God. And that is biblical. The chief end of man is to glorify God. That is your, that is your sole purpose in life, is to give glory to God. And here it is, quite clearly to the church. What is, what is your purpose, church? To be glory. To give glory unto God by Christ Jesus. Okay? To give glory unto God by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Now, what does that mean? That means all churches in every generation. Okay? World without end. So, um, what does that mean? That means we keep doing that right on into eternity. That's our purpose. Okay? One of our purposes are several others. To glorify God. Amen. I'm just telling you. So, I want you, I want you to think about that. When you come to a church service... How are you glorifying God? When you are out, you realize that when you are out uh, as a member of Bible Baptist Church, Jerome Bible Baptist Church, and you are working your job, that you are also a representative of Jerome Bible Baptist Church at your job, when you're getting gas, when you're getting groceries, when you're meeting with your friends who aren't here, you are a representative of when you go to a ball game, that is your let me tell you, that is your first representation above all, all things else on the planet. And in so doing, you are to be glorifying God in that membership. How are you doing that? How is that happening? When we gather together, when we sing, you should be glorifying God. That's why I make all those, that's why I keep saying that. Listen, we are not the audience, he is the audience. Pay attention to who you're singing to. Pay attention to why you, know, why you listen to the preaching. It's not about the preacher. It's not about you. It's about how can, how can God get the glory through my response to this message. Okay, All those things. When you play the piano, when you play the guitar, you play over here. you leading music, Brother Jerry. Teaching a Sunday school class. You are. How are you giving God glory in those things? And, and there are several things under here that, we've, that God makes it a little bit more narrow. And he says there are some specific areas where we can glorify God. As a church, okay? So number one would be praise and prayer. Praise and prayer. So I want you to turn to 1 Peter first. (laughs) 1 Peter, first. 1 Peter in chapter 2. 1 Peter in chapter 2, if you will, go down to... uh, Verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. One of the ways that we as a group, as a church, are called to give glory to God is through praise. Now, When do we do that? One obvious one is what I heard when we sing that's the obvious one now there there are some others there are other times um, if you, somebody know what it is to be excited about something and you want to tell somebody like you know we're going to be we're going to be grandparents i couldn't wait to be able to tell people we're going to be grandparents. This is a cool thing i'm going to join this elite- this elite group of people. This is pretty cool you you hear what I'm saying um we need to do that about Christ. That we should be seeking for opportunities to, so that lost people can hear us say, man, just... I'm telling you, can I just tell you what God said to me? How, how God spoke to me in my Bible reading this morning? I, it was interesting talking... talking I, I, went to see the, I went to see the doctor. And I, just in the casual conversation, we both ended up sharing how the Lord had used a particular event with each other recently. It's just interesting. The world needs to hear that. Why? Because they hear all sorts of, oh, God's not real. If God was real, or if God cared, he would. And we get all bound up and tight, worried about that stuff. We've got to be bold about that. Look People need to hear, God is real, and he has been doing stuff. Now the problem is, is we get so involved in our own stinking and pride and selfishness, leading us to be unthankful, that God is doing, 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 and it's just going, shing, shing. There are some days we ought to just recognize our attitude stinks, and the very, the very thing we can be thankful for is that God hasn't killed us. I'm just thankful God's letting me breathe air right now. I'm just telling you because my attitude, you hear what I'm saying? Praise and prayer. So turn to John 14. John 14. Well, we might be three or four weeks on this passage. I was wondering. I tried to set myself a goal, and I wasn't even sure I could get there, so we'll see. John 14. There was a lot of scripture to walk through here. John chapter 14. Look with me at verse 13. Okay. And whatsoever ye... Okay, so notice that. He's talking to his disciples, and he's speaking in the plural... Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the son. If ye shall ask anything in my name I will do it. So you see there prayer one of the ways that a church can can see God get glory is through their prayer life. Okay? Churches churches praying. What are we praying for? Well, I'll give you a really good one. We were just recent, and again I've got to be careful we're on live stream but we were just recently praying for that mint that missionary that had those two government things that that had to be approved so they could even maintain their ministry in a country that is very much anti-christian and while other missionaries are not getting that approved they did praise the lord that's amazing that is that's i mean you're so you're looking at a government promise that they can function as missionaries until 2028 april of 2028 that is awesome in a country that essentially is closed down right now. I mean, that, it's just that's that's astounding. So praise the Lord. Listen, in our prayer life, and I I, I think we, we need to we need to give this more credence as a church that churches have prayer requests, not just people. Churches do. Churches do, and we and we need to start thinking about that. We need to come in. We need and I would challenge you, as a group. So think about not like prayer time, not just what you have prayer requests for. Not that that's wrong, but what, what are some things our church needs to be praying for? And I'm telling you, there ought to come some real obvious answers to you after a very short amount of thinking. Our church has some needs. Church has some needs. And so I, I challenge you, in your, in your prayer life, go home and say, how can, how can I help our church see glory to God through church prayer requests? Amen. And if you have any trouble coming up with some, you come see me. I'll give you lots. Not pastor's request, church's request. And one more, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. <coughs> Hebrews in chapter 13, go down to verse 15. This is, this is an interesting one. Look at this. By him, therefore, let us, and he's talking about Jesus, verse 12, okay? So, by him, by Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And it's in a, it's in a plural context, okay? So this, again, we're back to that idea of praise. We need to be involved as a church in praise, um, praise for our church. I'm sorry, praise for the things for our church event. Pray, praise with each, praise to each other about the things the Lord has done in us and through us, and how He's, and even simple things like, um, you know, sometimes the Lord answers. i just, I, I had, a, I fasted for three days two weeks ago, and out of three days of fasting in prayer, the Lord's answer was clearly clear as a bell. Wait. <laughs> And not what I wanted to hear, but I do have an answer from God. I'm telling you that we all need to hear that, don't we? You know what's I have I have two or three preachers that two preachers that text me every week, um, and some preachers that text me more often than not, and we have conversations back and forth, and sometimes I share with them, hey. we were able to give the gospel or we were able to do this or this person got saved or this person joined the church and then sometimes they do it back to me. I'm telling you, it's it's amazing the encouragement that that is to hear that, well, I didn't have anybody, you know, didn't even really get the gospel or get to lead anyone to the Lord, but they did. God still moves. Just because I don't get to see it right here when I want to right now, God still moves. We need to share that with each other. Now, be careful because I can turn into bragging. So make sure you're giving God the glory and not your prayer life. Okay, anyways, all right. All right, so that's praise and prayer. We can glorify God through praise and prayer. We can also glorify God through, believe it or not, John 15, fruit bearing. Okay, I don't think, I mean, you can turn there if you want. John 15:8 would be the verse, but it's, you know, that you bear much fruit. Fruit bearing. Well, how do we, how do we bear fruit? <clears throat> Well, if you're not throwing out any seed, it's highly unlikely you're going to bear any fruit. Does everybody connect the dots? Okay, there has to be some seed thrown out. Amen. Anyways, so John 15, verse 8. Uh, turn to Philippians in chapter uh, 4. Flip, no, you know what? While you're right there in, in Hebrews, if you're still in Hebrews, stay right there. So go to Hebrews, and we're still in the same chapter, Hebrews 13. Look at verse 16. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now the word good here is where I'm aiming at. Because the word good, being doing good, the word good is a general, a general word for beneficence. okay, Being beneficial to someone. And that can cover money, time, talent, words, whatever it might be. But to do good and communicate for, and forget not, what does it say for with such... What's the next word? So it's a sacrifice. What does that mean? It's probably going to hurt a little bit. And you probably really don't want to do it. I mean, let's pause and think about this. You realize that the Jews, when they, when they brought their sacrifices, they weren't bringing an extra out of their flock. They had to bring the best of the flock. Do you understand that? Oh, I got this extra... It's one of those things, I have to be careful saying this, but you know, if you want to give something to the church and you're not using it anymore, is it a piece of junk? And you're not using it anymore? If the church needs it and it's good, go out and get a new one for the church. You know what I'm saying? Now granted, that sometimes... Sometimes anything is worthwhile if somebody's got it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But so we have to we have to think about this: is that sometimes what we give to God is what we have left over? And here's here's what here's what uh, I believe Paul's the author of Hebrews is saying: in our relationship with each other, we are to sacrifice, sacrifice, and that God is well pleased with that sacrifice by us being to do good and to communicate with each other can anybody here relate to the idea that it is a sacrifice to really communicate you know it's funny how many of my friends i talk to all of us pastors and we all really wish we would talk to each other more and you know what we all say i'm just not really good at communicating all of us i have yet to talk to one preacher who's like you know i am so great at this I mean, my own pastor, I love him to death. And every time we get off the phone, we, we both agree, we have got to talk more. And we don't do it. Why? Because it, you have to get out of yourself and sacrifice your time to listen to someone else. Amen. To do good. So one of the ways that we can, I don't know if I stated this clearly, but one of the ways to give glory to God is giving. Is giving. And I'm not just referencing money. We're gonna, we can get there, we, obviously but as giving. Turn to, back to the book of Philippians. We're still under this topic of giving. So it's not just money. The word good implies it covers all of that. So the book of Philippians in chapter 4. Paul, in reference to the, the work of the uh, Philippians, some of the stuff that he'd been dealing with them with. So Philippians in chapter 4, go down to verse 16. Matter of fact, let's start in verse uh, 14. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 14. Notwithstanding ye, the Philippian church there, have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. That means actually helped. Okay? Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, But ye only, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Amen. Churches need to be involved in giving especially when it's around the, the idea of the, the advancement of the gospel. And that's, that's the context here. Is the, the church at Philippi saw that Paul had need in reference to the advancement of his preaching of the gospel, and it's, Paul says, you sent once and again. Well, what did they send? We don't know. Maybe they sent money, whatever it was, it was financial help. Maybe they sent food, maybe they sent trade goods. We don't know. Whatever it was, it was it was to help him in a financial way, and uh, praise the Lord. I I thank the Lord that we're able to be involved uh, with our missionaries. And uh, if if you're interested, I know of one of our uh, I know of one of our missionaries who has a Bible college where sixteen hundred dollars would pay to would pay to put a mission uh, one of their seminary students through for a year. Food, board, the whole bit. The, the whole bit sixteen hundred bucks would pay for room and board and, and and the college the whole thing for the whole year sixteen hundred bucks like sixteen hundred bucks I think is one payment at Heartland. <laughs> that other country, you know, things were a lot cheaper. I'm thinking, you know, if you want to be involved in that, great, praise the Lord, that would be an amazing thing. So giving, be involved in giving. One of the ways that a church can glorify God is through their giving. Turn to First Peter, First Peter in chapter four. Another way that a church can be involved in glorifying God is through preaching and ministry. Preaching and ministry. Man, you all got to listen faster. We're almost out of time. 1 Peter in chapter 4, go down to verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That means even in the, the, the preaching of the preacher, the ministering of the Sunday school teachers, the ministering of those who would lead music, every ministry that the church is involved with in their normal course of events, it ought to seek that God would get the glory from it. That's, that's the purpose of the whole thing. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a... That's a hard one sometimes for us to contemplate and make happen. Because it's only by God that that happens. Because it's too easy for a preacher to get the glory, or a singer to get the glory, or an instrument player to get the glory, or a teacher to get the glory. You hear what I'm saying? That's, God has to get the glory through those things. Amen. 1 Peter 4.11. 1 Peter 4.11. Alright. Alright. So, um, Romans chapter 15. A fifth way that the Lord can get glory through the church. And this is, uh, our our author has it down as love. Um, I think that's a bit short of the mark on what this verse says, and I think you'll understand what I mean. So Romans in chapter 15. Go down with me to verse 5 and 6. So Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6 Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And I would encourage you to go back and read the verses prior to that. And it's talking about, it is talking about love, (coughs) But it's talking about love that produces unity. A selfless selfless desire to function as a body. And not to become and be my own individual. Not that, uh, you know, I'm just going to come in and do my thing and get out of here. Okay? No, it's it's seeking to work together, to be like-minded. Amen? Like-minded, that we with one mind and one mouth glorify God. I mean, it's, it's, let me tell you, it's super easy to sit there and everybody sing and start picking around all the voices that you can hear. Oh, man, don't know why they're singing. They can't carry a tune in a the bucket. They don't even know where the bucket is, man. <laughs> so all the while people are trying to lift up glory to God, you're over there going, I think that person is trying to sing harmony. You know what I'm saying? You hear know what I'm saying? I, what we ought to do is encourage everyone, sing out good and loud. Why? Because we're giving glory to God. Some people can carry a tune in a bucket, and they've got multiple buckets. And there's other people, yeah, maybe they can't find the bucket, but God's the audience. And you know what he hears? He hears what's coming from the heart. And if the heart is too much clouded by what I'm thinking of outside the building, inside the building, evil about those around me, even good about those around me, you know what I'm saying? And not trying to give him glory. Amen. Amen. So function as a unity. So I'm going to call this Christ like selflessness. Our author says love. It would seem more like Christ like unity, that selfless unity, it's hard to explain here, but you see what I'm saying from the passage. It's more than just love. I mean, and I understand Christ like love would probably define it. All right. Number six. Number six. Uh, Another way that, and you're not going to like this one, but it's in here. Another way the church can give glory glory to God is suffering. So 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, I will say that there are some Christians that seem to have a a persecution complex. You know, like everything that happens everywhere is anti-Christianity persecution all the time. And they turn it into that. And their, their whole spirit is, oh, the government, oh, everything's against us. And How does God get the glory from that? Uh, because everybody wants to be a part of that religion. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Are there bad things going on in the world? You know what? We're not in a country where they're taking Christians out and shooting their brains out because they won't deny Christ. As a matter of fact, all of you probably ate what you wanted. You drove, you drive what you want. Uh, You go where you want. You bought the house you want. You have a job that, you may not want but you get a different one if you wanted to you wear the clothes that you want you can still speak what you want most of the time and there's even some places where they say you can't you still can do you hear what I'm saying but but there is a time when there is suffering and we do know that this happens in the world so first peter in chapter 4 we're going to read two verses here look at verse 14 if ye be reproached for the name of christ Happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Look at verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Well, This isn't right. We, sh- we got our rights as a Christian. I got my free speech. If it's really happening that you're, being, that you're being, you know, persecuted, you can respond with, "I have my rights," or you can respond with, "Glory to God." Doesn't mean you shouldn't, as a citizen, maybe find some way to vote against it or vote that person out or change that law. but what's your verbal response? "I have my rights." That's exactly what the world is saying. That sounds no different than the LGBTQ crowd. The argument is exactly the same. "I have my rights." Do you hear what I'm saying? What are we here for? We're not here for our rights. We're here so that God would get the glory. Amen. All right, the last one, this is and this is just under the section of glorifying God, so don't know that we are going to get at one of our primary purposes on the planet, but not tonight. (laughs) So 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Got to draw a new line in here, because the line I drew that I thought we'd get to, we did not get to. So 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 3. Again, from the perspective of Paul, but it is the same for us. Look at it. Chapter 3 and verse 1 of 2 Thessalonians. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Okay, Because I want it to happen to me just like it's happening with you, Church of Thessalonica. What is happening? That God is getting the glory through their witness. Their witness, their spreading of the gospel. Amen. And God does get the glory in that. I, I am thanking the Lord that I've, I've, because of this project back here, I've we've had. I'm getting electrical contractors come in and give me a bid. And when contractors are here giving me a bid, I have a captive audience. I, I do because they they think they want the job, and so they're going to bid it out. But then I, because we're a church and I'm a preacher, I mean it's a natural topic of conversation. And so we've had two contractors in, and I've got to give the gospel to both of them. And I'm just thanking the Lord for that. I'm just saying, man, that is that is of the Lord that God would create a situation where when that electrician walks in, he is sensitive to spiritual things because he's in a church that gives me the opportunity to be able to give him the glory. And only God can do that. And only God can do that. I, let me tell you, I've talked to plenty of contractors in churches that... They don't want to talk nothing about no church, nothing. No God, you just keep it to yourself. <laughs> so it's of the Lord when they're sensitive to that. Thank the Lord, and we, we can give God the glory. Not Listen, we're not going to win everybody. That's not our job. God does the winning. What we do is the witnessing. Give people the gospel. Amen. So, some biblical considerations. We've made it through One. <laughs> To glorify God, to, unto Him be glory in the church. Matter of fact, I'm I'm kind of toying with this being our next year's theme. I'm looking at it. Unto Him be glory in the church, uh, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So, I, but this is this is one of the things that is for us. Our purpose as a church. Yes, we're going to get to we're going to get to fulfilling the Great Commission but repeatedly the Lord makes this reference that one of, the, one of the very important things in the church is to do is to glorify God, and He gives us many different ways to do that. Amen. All right, let's have a word of prayer. And uh, Miss Donna, you can, you can play, but we're not going to have an invitation. We'll be dismissed. And uh, I do appreciate uh, all of you who have been here. Again, ask your prayers as Dean and I uh, and Katrina fly out tomorrow. And Dakota flies out Monday, I think, Tuesday he flies out. To Kentucky, and uh, looking forward to uh, the pastor he is a friend, uh, so that is, that will be a blessing. Get to see them for a little bit, uh, and then.